Let's take a seat. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come today with a humble heart, understanding that this is a very familiar text, but at the same time, we want to see it in a, in a fresh way. I pray that you would make the gospel known in this text to us, Lord. I pray that you would uh, allow us to, to see the beauty uh, of your saving grace and also that it will transform us, that we would face whatever lies ahead of us because of you, Jesus Christ. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this passage contains one of the most well-known stories in all the Bible. Uh, it's the story that's commonly known as David and Goliath. And um, if you grew up in the, in the Sunday schools or if you grew up in church, you can probably recite this story with all the details from the top of your head. I mean, many of you have been part of skits that included David and Goliath, right? If you were tall, you were pointed as Goliath. If you were small, you were David. And everyone in the middle, you're like kind of the crowd. Or, or maybe Saul, if you're kind of on the tall side. But based on your height, it seems like, yeah, you, you've been, you've been, you, you can like reenact this story. Uh, kids love this story. We did this story actually in Pittsburgh one time uh, for uh, the kids club, and they just loved the story. We know this story very well. And it's not just people within the church, but people outside of the church know about this story very well as well. Um, if you just go on ESPN, every now and then, they would just mention the story of David and Goliath, right? Especially during March Madness. They would talk about how this one team is, is small, and they're weak, and then they're going up against this higher-ranked team, and they call it uh, David against Goliath. It seems like it's a big deal. You know, this is one of the most well-known underdog stories in the entire world. So we know this story very well, and that's why it can be hard to preach on this story, but I think because of the familiarity, because we know the story so well, often we miss the point of the story. Uh, today's story is more than an underdog story. It's more than a story that teaches us how to face our giants and knock down giants in our lives. This story is actually about God. It's not a story just about David and Goliath, it's a story about God. From verse 1 through 3, we are given the setting of this story. There's two armies that are facing one another in this valley. And on one side, we have Israel, the covenant people of God, God's chosen people. And on the other side, you have the Philistines, the arch enemy of the Israelites. I mean, these two nations, they've been fighting one another uh, since the days of Joshua uh, over the land of Canaan. And these two nations, once again, they are standing, uh, facing one another in this valley. And in verse 4, it says, this one man stood up. He came uh, to the front of the camp, the guy named Goliath, and he is the champion of the Philistines. Goliath is a champion. Not in a champion in a sense that he's carrying around a belt, right? Or that he's, he's like this great uh, just, uh, winner. Uh, but he's a champion in a sense that he represents the Philistines. This word champion is often used when someone would fight on behalf of an army. So Goliath is the champion of the army of the Philistines. And you can see why, that he, is the, why he is the champion, why he's the chosen one out of all the soldiers. It's because he is six cubits and a span high. And that means he's about nine feet and nine inches. Uh, that's pretty tall. Right? A, a basketball hoop is about 10 feet, so if you just think about a basketball hoop, that's how big Goliath is. You know, this guy is massive. 
not, not just in his size, but if you look at his, his strength, he is strong. The armor that he, he's wearing right now, um, the, the, the armor that, that he has on his shoulders is about 5,000 shekels, which is 126 pounds, right? On the tip of his spear is about 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds. So he has a 15-pound dumbbell on, on his spear, and he can swing it like crazy, right? Physically, Goliath is just a monster. He is dominant. And, and on top of that, he is decked out with the top-notch armor, um, the best armor that anyone can find at that time. His helmet, his coat, um, his armor that, that's placed on his legs, everything is made out of bronze. And that's special because it wasn't common that, that things would, weapons would, or armors would have been made out of bronze. So he has the best armor. Not only that, he has all these different weapons that are made out of steel and also made out of bronze. You know, and he has a personal shield bearer. Right? He has this, this guy who's carrying his shield for him because the shield is so big. You know, that's something that you don't see in Sunday school lessons, right? Normally you see Goliath with a shield in one hand and then you see um, a sword in one, uh, the other hand. But Goliath, like, he has so much armor and so much weapons in, in, on his hands uh, that he has a personal shield bearer uh, right in front of him. So his height, his strength, his equipment, everything about Goliath is intimidating. Right? It's kind of like, you know, if you guys are a big fan of Marvel, it's like Thanos with six infinity stones, right? And he, he seems invincible. You can't beat this guy, right? He, he has no fear, and he knows that he's pretty strong as well. So he's full of confidence. He's confident in, confident in his size, in his strength, and in his equipment. So he steps up, and he begins to shout, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. So Goliath is challenging Saul and his army. And he's challenging them not just to a normal battle, but a winner-take-all death match. So he says, you know, give me a man, a champion, someone who would represent your army. Give me someone so I can fight them. So when I fight him, um, if he wins, we will serve you. If I win, you, your nation will serve us. So in verse 11, it says, verse 11, it says that Saul and the Israelites, um, they heard the word of this Philistine, and it says that they were dismayed, and they're greatly afraid. Israel was paralyzed with fear. Now, even their king, Saul, who was supposed to be their champion, who was supposed to fight their battles on the battles on their behalf, is greatly afraid at this point. And this was not just one incident, but we see in verse 16 that Goliath did this for 40 days, day and night. You know, he comes out in the morning, he's like, give me a man, and he goes back in. And then he comes out in the evening after supper, he's like, again, give me your champion. And for 40 days, he's going on and on and on, and the people are just afraid of Goliath. No one is willing to step up to his challenge. Goliath is without fear because there's nothing to fear for him. And Israel is covered, paralyzed with fear. Meanwhile, the story goes back to Bethlehem, this small town, um, and the camera zooms into this boy named David. Now, we are introduced to this boy named David. He is this kind of 
uh, you know, young kid who takes care of sheep. Um, he's the one that was forgotten by his own father when Samuel tried to, tried to anoint a king, uh, one of the sons of Jesse. Um, it just seems like he's not fit for a king, yet for some reason God chooses David. That God does not see what's on the outside, but what he sees is he sees that David is a man after God's own heart. So he anoints David. So the Spirit of God rushes into David, and, and, and it seems like everything is going well, but still, David, he's still taking care of sheep. I mean, he's not even old enough to fight in a battle. You know, he's not even part of the army. A few of his brothers are in the battlefield, but he's still way too young to join um, this, this force. So instead of fighting uh, in the battlefield, what Jesse says, his father says, is you take some grain, some bread, uh, some cheese, and you take these to your brothers and your commanders, uh, to their commanders, and bring back some sort of token uh, so that I can know that they're alive, so that I can know that they're doing well. So David goes to the valley of, uh, of Eli, where he hears the sound of war. So he gives his stuff to someone else, and he goes to the front of the battle line, and he sees Goliath in verse 23, the champion of the Philistines. And Goliath is doing his normal thing. He stands up, and he's like, give me a man once again. And again, in verse 24, it says, All the men of Israel, they saw this man, they fled from him, and they were much afraid. Still, after 40 days, people are paralyzed with fear. But there's something interesting, because David sees things a little, a little bit differently. He says in verse 26, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. So for David, Goliath is not just this invincible warrior, but he is an uncircumcised Philistine. That he's not just this crazy, strong uh, guy, but, but he is someone that's outside of the covenant promises of God. He's just this man who is unclean and unholy. He is this unrighteous giant. That's how David sees Goliath. Very different from how other people see Goliath, right? David has a different perspective, and he is deeply disturbed by what Goliath is saying because this unclean giant, he is insulting the living God, his God, and he's speaking against God's army. No, now, um, the fight between David and Goliath could have taken place right at this moment, uh, but it's interesting that they don't fight right away. For some reason, David doesn't fight right away. Instead, he goes around, he talks about, hey, you know, who's this guy, Goliath? You know, why is he talking like this? And then eventually, uh, one of his brothers, um, he hear, uh, his, actually his older brother, uh, hears this, and he brings David aside, and he says, hey, why are you down here? You, don't have, you have no business here. You know, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, I know you are... Presumption, I know your presumption and your evil heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So David's own brother, his oldest brother, basically you know, speaks down on David. Maybe because he's jealous that David was the one who was chosen to be anointed. Maybe because he really thinks that David is not equipped to be on the battlefield. But you see that David is not receiving any support from his family. You know, this is kind of a side note, but a lot of times when you are trying to do the will of God, a lot of times the enemy is not before you, it's right, people that are right next to you. 
It's the people that are close to you, their family members are say, that are saying, man, maybe you shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't walk that path. That's not the path you should follow. No, maybe you shouldn't follow the will of God at this point because you're just insignificant and you are weak and you are just a boy. No, his own family member speaks down on him. But David, he, he, he still goes on. He goes around and he talks about, you know, what is that guy Goliath doing out there? And eventually this goes into King Saul's uh, ears and King Saul brings in David and David says, let me go fight Goliath. And look at what King Saul says um, in verse 33. He's probably holding back his laugh at this point, right? He's speaking in a very sarcastic way. He's saying, you are not able to go against that Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. So pretty much Saul thinks, you know, David has no chance whatsoever. Right? He is too young, too inexperienced. You know, he's just going to get crushed. It's like you know, when I play soccer with Timothy, uh, although we are competing, Timothy has no chance whatsoever. Right? Uh, I'm more skilled. I'm bigger than him. I'm faster than him. Uh, he has zero chance. That's kind of what Saul is saying right now. David, you have absolutely no chance. But David says this to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And then he goes on and he talks about how he... he he, when uh, there was a lion or a bear, they took a lamb from the flock that he would go after them, right? He would take that lamb out of their mouth and they would, he would grab them by the beard and he would strike down on, on the lion and then they would die. And he's saying, well, your servant that struck down both lions and uh, bears um, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, when you initially look at this text, you might think that David is just, just this teenager who doesn't know any better, that he, he just doesn't know how the world works, that he doesn't know any better, so he doesn't have any fear. Or maybe you might think he's exaggerating a little bit at this point, right? I mean, I mean how can a little boy strike down bears and lions and grab them by the beard? I was like, that, that, that's a crazy thought. But... David, he reveals his, his secret in verse 37. He says this, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So David, his courage to fight uh, Goliath is not coming from within, it's coming from above. No, David, his confidence is, is not in his fighting skills. He's not saying, well, I'm a pretty good fighter myself. He's not saying, I'm pretty strong myself. He's not saying, well, I have all this experience, although he's mentioning all those things. But ultimately what he's saying is, the Lord who delivered me at that moment when I was fighting bears and when I was fighting lions, that same Lord will, not might, will deliver me at this point. He is finding confidence in the Lord. David fears the Lord. He is so passionate about God and his name that he, he can't stand Goliath as he is dis, being disrespected um, in, in such a way. No, he is so passionate about the name of God that he doesn't want this unclean giant to speak trash about his God. No, David, he is a man after God's own heart. No, do you think David was afraid of Goliath? I, I think so. But what is motivating him at this point is not fear right now, but it's really um, uh, his passion for God. Maybe he might die on the battlefield, 
But, but David is, is, is okay with that because he cares more about God at this point than his own life. And secondly, we see that David is full of confidence because God has the power to save. He's not saying that God might deliver me, but he says God will deliver me. David has passion for the name of God, and he is confident that God has the power to save. No, and David's way of thinking, if you think about it, is pretty simple. No, what would give him the confidence to stand against this giant? Well, remember, in David's eyes, this guy is not a giant. He's simply an uncircumcised Philistine, meaning he's kind of like a dog. Not, not this, this pretty dog or, or, or the, the puppies that we have, but he's like a scavenger a dog that is, was commonly seen in Israel. That he's this unclean scavenger dog that, that is wandering around the streets of, of Israel. And what David is saying here is that, you know, that guy, Goliath, he's no different. No, he's just another wild beast to me. No, he is a dog. He's an unclean person. You know, let me fight him. So eventually, Saul says, yes, you can go fight him. Um, he offers his armor, but uh, Goliath, uh, no, David, he, he, he says, no, I can't take this. Uh, he just goes um, with what he has. He picks up five smooth stones. And by the way, these were not pebbles that you throw in the riverbank, but these were big stones. Uh, people back then did use stones to combat. Uh, these are about the size of a tennis ball, pretty big stones, right? Um, and then he has a staff in his hand, and he goes out. So he leaves all the man-made armor and all the man-made weapons behind, and he goes with weapons that are made by God, made by nature. And so David and Goliath, they finally face off, and you can kind of see the contrast between Goliath and David, right? One is heavily armed, and the other has no armor whatsoever. One has a shield-bearer before him, and one is defenseless. You know, one has a sword and, and, and the other person has stones and, and a stick. One is a giant, one is a teenager. You know, one has no experience in fighting, and one ha- has all the experience in fighting. This is not a fair fight. But there's another difference between these two. One does not fear anyone. One fears the living God. And so Goliath, he takes a close look at David. The closer that David gets, he's, he's starting to kind of laugh at this point, and he's being insulted, right? He's deeply disappointed at his competition. I waited for 40 days, and you give me this. You give me this boy, this little boy. I mean, he's kind of pretty looking. Uh, the Bible says he's handsome. He's like this K-pop star, right? <laughs> he's with a sling, and, and he comes out with no armor. And Goliath says this, am I a dog and David's probably thinking, yep, that's what you are. You are a dog, right? That you come to me with sticks. Then he begins to curse David with with his gods. Then he he talks all this trash. You know, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to feed you to the birds, the wild beasts in the fields. Basically, Goliath is saying, you are barbecue chicken, right? I can just kill you in a heartbeat. But but David says this in verse 45, and you got to look at this, verse 45. Uh, 45, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Again, David, 
is more concerned about God's reputation than Goliath. Goliath is not a big deal at this point. He's just on fire for God. What he cares about is the name of God, and he doesn't want the Goliath to mess around with God's name anymore. And you notice that he is fully aware of Goliath's armor and, and, and equipment as well. He, he knows his strength. He sees the sword. He sees the spear. He sees the javelin. But yet, he's so passionate about God that he is willing to fight. And he says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'm going to strike down your head um, and, and the dead bodies of the host of Philistines. I'm going to give them to the birds and the wild beasts. And because of that, all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. So David fights for two reasons. Number one, so that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel to make God known. That's why David is fighting. And number two, so that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword, not with spear, but with his name. So Goliath had no fear. David feared God. And we all know the end result, right? David runs towards Goliath. He slings one stone, and it goes straight to Goliath's forehead, and and it knocks down the giant. And and at that point, Goliath is dead. And David walks towards uh, Goliath, and, and he pulls out Goliath's sword, cuts Goliath's neck, and, and, and with that, he claims victory. And after that, the men of Israel and Judah, they find courage, and so they pursue after the Philistines. And that's how the story ends. And we just have one last question that we need to ask ourselves. So what is the point of this story? Now, a typical way to read this story is probably like this. Um, you know, Goliath, he represents whatever you fear in life. Maybe for some of you, it's your financial problems. Maybe for some of you, it's just your unknown future. Maybe for some of you, it's your family problems. Maybe for some of you, it's just your relationships. Um, all these different fears, right? And, and we try to be like David, and, and we, we put ourselves in the shoes of David, and we, we tell ourselves, well, man, we just got to face our fears. Goliath is nothing. No, we just have to believe in ourselves. We have the strength to knock down a giant. No, don't be intimidated by size. No, believe in yourself. That's kind of the message that a lot of people get from this story. Or maybe, um, maybe some of you are thinking, oh, well, um, David, he didn't take on uh, Saul's armor. So when you fight whatever you're fighting in your life, uh, don't try to be someone else. Just be yourself. Again, the focus is on us, right? We're trying to be David. And do you notice that when you are just trying to be overly confident and you're just trying to find the courage within you, you're trying to be more like Goliath than David? Do you know that? Because Goliath was a man with confidence, that he had no fear. And what happened to him? He died. He was destroyed. And the same is true for us. When we simply trust in ourselves, we can surround ourselves with the best armor, with the best weapons. We can believe in the strength that we have and our experience. But at the end of the day, when we believe in ourselves, you know what happens? We get slayed by this world. Then how can we be like David? The point of the story is not being like David. 
if there's any character that we can identify in this story, it's actually the Israelites. That we are like the Israelites that are trembling in fear, that we are paralyzed with fear, that there's so many things in this world that are scary to us, that we face death, that we face sickness, we face troubles, we face all these different stuff in this world, and it is terrifying. It is difficult. It is hard. We see no hope. We have no idea how we can fight against these things because evil in our life just seems invincible, undefeatable. Darkness just seems way too big and way too strong. We are more like the Israelites than David. The point of the story is not being like David. As an Israelite, you need to find your David. How does God help frighten people? How does he deliver them? It's not by giving them a strategy. It's not by giving them a weapon. It's not even by giving them an example. It's by giving them a savior, a champion, someone who can fight on their behalf. God gives Israel a champion in David, and David wins the battle. And because of that, now after that victory, Israel can claim victory. They can go after the Philistines and and, and the enemies that they have. So who is our David? Well, that's pretty clear because the Bible tells us there is the one who is greater than David. Uh, In Hebrews 11, it talks about how um, David was a man of faith. However, those were just shadows of things to come. That Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. That he is our true champion. We have to understand that Jesus is the one who fights on our behalf. That we have this, this giant in front of us. Um, and you can kind of name all your fears and all your problems. But I can basically boil, boil it down to two things. Sin and death. Everything is rooted in sin. And everything ends in death. That is the greatest fear that we face. That is the greatest giant that we have in our lives. And when we just compare ourselves to sin and death, we are no match. But Jesus is our champion. And when Jesus is our champion, we are able to claim victory just like the Israelites. This story is not just an underdog story, but it is a story that points to a greater story, a story of salvation. When you have passion for God's name, when, when you don't allow fear to t- get the best of you, but um, fear becomes secondary, when you have the courage to stand in the midst uh, of fear and, and say what's right and do what's right, um, you, you are able to be like David. However, you can't be like David until you find your David. No, when we were helplessly living in fear because of sin and death out of nowhere, just like David came out of nowhere, Jesus, he came. On the outside, um, Jesus, there's nothing special about Jesus. He's just a normal man, right? He's this unlikely kind of champion, uh, just like David. Um, Just like David, Jesus was um, rejected and neglected by his family. Just like David, um, he seemed outmatched. Uh, in front of sin and death when he was on the cross. But just like David, Jesus had passion for God's name, that he was obsessed with God, that he, he had this drive to walk in obedience all the way to the cross. 
and on the cross by dying on our behalf and by rising again, by defeating death, not by sword, by the way, but through his very own blood, he claims victory. That is our champion. That is how we cast our fight against our fears. That how, that's how we find confidence in our spiritual walk uh, with, with God. It's not by becoming a better person. It's not by finding something that's within us. It's by finding our true champion in Jesus Christ. And when we, when we believe that Jesus had claimed victory at, on the cross and through his resurrection um, against sin and death, now everything in our lives, all those small giants, they're not such a big deal. I mean, there were still Philistines who were, who were out there after Goliath was killed. But they weren't intimidating anymore. The Israelites, they could go after these guys. Why? Because their champion was destroyed. You know, our champion, Jesus Christ, he has defeated sin and death on the cross. Do you believe that? And that is why we can live today with confidence. And that's why we can follow Jesus' footsteps and David's footsteps by having passion for God's name. Not being discouraged on what we don't have. Not being discouraged on our outward appearance. Not being discouraged on what other people say about us. But we can have passion for God's name. And we can have this drive to make God's name great. Not just within our church, but among the nations. The question is, have you found your champion? Or are you living as your own champion? If you are, you're going to end up like Goliath. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, I promise you that he will give you victory over not just sin and death, but all your fears in life. Let's pray. There's so many ways we can identify with this story. What, what, what's troubling you today? Are you f- afraid of anything? Do, do you feel hopeless or helpless? There's something that's scaring you to death, that's keeping you up at night. Are you simply just paralyzed with fear and that is blocking you from doing the will of God if that is you you have to go back to your champion the one who fights the battles on your behalf because if you try to fight all that is in this life you will fail and you will get destroyed you'll never be able you'll never be able to hit um, the forehead of, of Goliath but when Jesus, as your David, steps up as your champion, when you place your full trust in him, you get to experience victory. Where is Jesus today? Is he fighting your battles? And are you claiming victory on, uh, behind him? Or is he just on the side and you're still trying to fight your own battles? It doesn't have to be that way. Trust in Jesus. He is your champion, the author, and the perfecter of your faith. Let's pray.